Hello and welcome back to the Field of Design podcast for your news, stories and nonsense from the sports apparel and sports creative industry. My name is Mason Changton and with me this week, very special guest, creative and brand lead at National Rugby League team, Gold Coast Titans, it is Tara Campbell-Barry. Hi Tara, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Thank you so much. Thank you uh, for coming on, joining. Um, we've we've actually been, this has been a bit on and off, I think, since about December last year, we've been having a conversation about making this happen. So I'm very happy we could line up sometimes to thank get you, you on. Yeah, it has been a bit of a, a lead up, but uh, thank you for being patient with me. <laughs> and vice versa too. <laughs> I think I went rogue for a little while. <laughs> Uh, how's season 2023 been for the Gold Coast Titans? Uh, things this year have been really great. I mean, um, we've got three teams that we're that we're managing at the moment. We've got the NRL, NRLW and the Nepal team. Um, we've got the women playing for a spot in the grand final this Sunday, which is giving us all um, a lot of excitement and something to walk, um, work towards, um, you know, in September. So um, the men didn't do too well, but, I mean, we've got some – a lot of hope with what we've done with the um with the head coach role with Des coming on board next year and everyone's really excited about that so we're um already looking forward to 24 with membership and everything else that's going on so it's um it's been a big year yeah awesome i actually yeah. didn't realize that so preliminary final this weekend for the is, yeah well the women's. women the women only really play um the way that it's structured now is there's one week finals and then there's cuz there's only four teams um, that can make finals. So it's the 2v2 um, and then winners go into the grand final. Um, Best of. Yeah. And, and yet you've still put some time aside to come and talk with me at the moment. I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> we had our um, our end of season awards night on Wednesday. We're all working from home at the moment because our offices are getting um, renovated. So they're doing a lot of demo work there at the moment. So everyone's working from home and I'm just squeezing this in. This is my lunch break today. So, um, yeah. Nice I to appreciate up. it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, before we dive too much into the the professional life, do, is there a bit uh, about yourself that you would like to share? Who who are you away from the Titans? Gosh, um, away from the Titans, I I'm only relatively new to the Gold Coast. I mean, I moved up five years ago this December and um, from Melbourne, and wouldn't move back um, despite missing all of my friends immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, outside of work, gosh, um, I do freelance work outside of the Titans. So um, just through a few contacts and things like that, I just dabble in a little bit of freelance outside of the Titans just to, you know, keep the creative juices flowing. Um, my, I really enjoy going to Body Fit um, a few days a week and uh, my partner actually works at the Titans as well. So our household is living and breathing Gold Coast Titans and um when we get time, when he's not playing golf and we're both not at work, we find time to, you know, watch telly together and, and you know, binge watch, you know, Succession, which we just finished and we're just starting Narcos if I don't fall asleep. And um, outside of that, I mean, I love music and I play guitar and I record music as well. And um, I'm also a stepmom to a, a little beautiful eight-year-old boy called Harry. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Boys are busy. fun. Yeah. <laughs> They're good. Uh, is your music published? Should we be putting a handle in somewhere to find your music? Uh, I wouldn't if I was you, if you don't want your ears to bleed. But um, it's more something that I've, I've been playing guitar since I was 16 and um, I own a few of them and um, I just do it for, 
a hobby more so than actually doing anything with it. But in COVID, I was just recording so much music and listening to so much music. It was just like such a beautiful outlet for me to have, especially when like I was stood down from my job and things. It was just a nice thing to do. Mm. It's good to have that creative escape, isn't it? Particularly without the pressures of it being a work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Like I was getting right into garage band and like using all these like plugins and, you know, I'm buying all these things for my guitar and like, it was just like away from design, like another set of pieces of software to, you know, to delve into and explore and stuff. It was a lot of fun. Do you enjoy the software side of it as well? Like as much as the creating process, the actual yeah. exploration process? Yeah. I like, I get really into just laying the guitar track down all the vocals and then my excitement lays within the sounds that you create, like how wet the room is or how dry the room is or like how much reverb and like laying different tracks over and then using the keyboard to sort of create drums and things like that. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of creative fun for me. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Um, all right. So freelance work, can I touch on that a little bit? Are you doing things that just aren't in your day-to-day wheelhouse? Is it, you know, something really quirky or is it a bit quirky the... for a while there. I was doing a lot of um a lot of stuff for the RSPCA actually. Okay. Um, they were they had were short staffed for whatever reason, and I was I you know I worked I did a lot of work for them for about a year I think it was, and helping with their their op shop signage and opening up new pet stores and opening up and having special days and different promotions and things like that. It was really quite a nice thing to work on because it's such a beautiful it's such a beautiful charity. So that was, that was really lovely to see the inner workings of how they operate and they're so busy. It's just crazy. Mm -hmm. So I did that then, um, helped not so recently, but probably a favorite one was I did a a coffee table book for the grand golf course, which is on the Gold Coast. It was designed by Greg Norman. I think it was, I should know this 50, 25 to 50 years ago. And um, they were celebrating their anniversary and they produced this beautiful, very expensive coffee table book for their members. And I got to work on that with um, an ex-colleague of mine who's at a different company now. So, yeah, just keeping the network open to options and things like that, which is cool. Yeah. Were you doing just the layout or were you having a hand in the entire um, geez, process of making the book? Um, I was, the guy that I was working with is incredible. He's a, an amazing writer. He's very organized. So he did all the writing um, and we did a really loose sort of overview of what the plan of the book was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I was, I was all layout and um, design and sort of working out with a printer, like the type of cover that we wanted and, and that sort of stuff. So it was a collaborative effort for sure. Yeah, no, that's yeah. cool. To get in yeah. that tact, that little bit of tactile, um, uh, design in there too, just you yeah. know, outside of digital graphics. Yeah, I love that. I love. I always love printing, um, like tactile stuff. So I love getting involved with that where I can, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about your current role. Um, mm-hmm. What is it exactly that you do? Mm-hmm. Um, my responsibility at the Titans is uh, the creative and brand lead, and that entails me being the central point for the business to um, brief work into to produce something creative that they need. So that could be social media graphics or it could be 
the club business cards or it could be game day graphics or it could be a prop for a commercial deck or it could be recruiting items that the footy department need, signage, the, anything that you think that a sports club might need is something that I'm involved with from start to finish. So the business will break that into me and then um, I've got another guy that works with me, Callum, and the two of us execute any of the requests that come through. So, and then the other, I guess the other side of my role is managing um, the brand of the Titans. So, you know, if we've got a third party utilising our logo on something, it will come through to me to just check that the colours are okay and that the brand's been represented correctly and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You're the master of the, the Gold Coast brand, ensuring yeah. it's being used in yeah. all the correct ways. Yes, yeah. Uh, so you've kind of listed a few things there. What what would you say like a day would look like versus a week and a mm-hmm. month? Like Some of those things that you've mentioned there, I imagine you might get once in a blue moon versus mm. there, there might be some other things that are happening on a daily basis. Yeah. What think- could some of that be? Daily is definitely emails, meetings, and that the, the admin work that goes into the organisation of actually producing the work. Um, yeah, so daily, like there's the core things of, you know, writing back to emails or getting quotes and um, following up jobs or that sort of thing. And um, I guess the other 50% of the day would be actually being on the tools and working out like what needs to get produced today, what minutes can I put aside today for the bigger project that might be due in two months time um and then sort of just engaging with printers and sign writers and things like that and um we've got a really great project management system Asana that you know we're all on and we're all using so there's a lot of admin work that goes into prioritizing jobs and making sure they're getting ticked off and assigned to the right people and things like that to ensure that there's no one drops the ball so to speak um, and that everything's everything's under control and that it's all it's all done. So there's a lot of admin work that goes into it, but then daily there's a lot of there's a lot of time to actually produce work as well. So I guess there's that that would be for the daily and then you know weekly in game week, there's the sort of um, repetitive tasks that you get for a home game, you know, your game day graphics and, and the like and that sort of thing. So there's always a special event on or um, a big project that we've got on. I mean, there's probably, you know, four to five big projects that are happening in a game week and and that sort of thing. And, I mean, this year we had three home games back-to-back. So, you know, those three weeks are just every week you're preparing for the next week sort of thing as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So... Are you on the tools at all or is that mainly Callum or? No, I'm I'm still on the tools as well. I love, I still love doing the design work myself and, and creating things. So I would find if I was to be put into a job where I wasn't on the tool, I think I'd feel a little bit lost. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's definitely, I'm still definitely on the tools. Yeah. Yeah. And is that 50, is that the 50-50 that you were talking about, do you think? Yeah, I think or... it's 50, it's 50-50 tools and then admin admin sort of work the emails and the meetings and the quotes and the stuff like that yeah everything in between yeah yeah Yeah. well um what are the things you wish that you could be doing more of I wish I had a little bit more time to probably do more research and do more mood boards and do more um exploration and things like that Absolutely. I mean, I'm pretty lucky. I'm pretty <laughs> lucky. You know, some some clubs only have one designer, and I've been lucky enough to to have Cal to help me out to give me more time to do that sort of stuff. And I mean, him 
being around or that additional resource being around has enabled me to to start to learn after effects and things like that so I mean we just need to make time for things like that I think just as find more hours in the day <laughs> yeah which I think is nearly everybody's problem exactly. <laughs> never enough time yeah never enough time yeah uh, how, how are you going with after effects I'm actually loving it because We've got um, a guy in our team, Kerry, who was an absolute gun on After Effects and Premiere and as much research and everything that I do into it. I'll say, oh, Kez, what do you think about this? And like, how should I do this? And and so he's showing me things and then I'm showing him new tricks and like he gets super excited by it and I'm just getting into it and learning more and, and I just love being able to see something I've designed be able to be turned into something that's moving that is the way I want it to be, like the speed I want it to be. And without having to give that nitty gritty to someone else, I can just do it myself, which feels really empowering. For sure. Yeah. So it's, it's it's fair to say a little bit that you're the you're the the wide-eyed baby learning about the world of After Effects and, and get to play around and explore things that your colleague yeah. um yeah. you know is not is you know isn't being up to um up to scratch with and you guys can bounce with each other on that. Yeah, it's so good to have that in the department. I mean, our marketing department is like that in general with social media and things like that. We're all super collaborative and and sharing ideas constantly. Like we've got two different group chats that we just send people, like we send stuff to, and then like we've got other little group chats just for the designers and then we've got a group chat just for marketing and we're just sending each other stuff all the time to like look how cool this is and like we should do something like this. And, yeah, it's really cool to have those sorts of people around. Yep. Yeah. So is there something on um, After Effects that you've done recently that would be out and about that we could see? Um, I did some work for our awards night, but that wasn't really published online. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think um, what well, I what, what about maybe the, um, the announcement or start of year with Kieran Foran? You, yeah. You've done some sort of... Well, do you do you want to talk through what what the yeah. what it was? We saw a we saw a club in I was oh, I don't even know how you pronounce it Andelect RSC Andelect. They did a similar thing with a new player jumping into a stadium, and I saw it once, and I remember bringing it to our team meeting because our team meetings, our weekly like group meeting, we all have to bring something that we like, and I brought that video in, and I was like, this is sick. We need to do this with uh, the next player that we get the chance to do this with. We have to do this, and I think. Kerry might have been away and I ended up filming it on my iPhone and editing it myself in After Effects. And I just was like, this is so cool that I get to do this as a yeah. designer. You know, I, I'm filming it, I'm editing it and it's getting published and all the fans were so excited that he was coming along and it just felt like such a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Des yeah. wasn't keen on replicating it again. <laughs> um, I don't really know what's happening there. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see... Um, you know, Kieran coming, um, Des coming up next year and, and them reconnecting and stuff in the, at the Titans. So, yeah. yeah. And so from a, uh, I got two things I just got out of that. So yeah. from a performance point of view, mm-hmm. you were using your iPhone. Were you on a gimbal? Were you kind of, you know, laying down sniper star with your phone put up high in, you know, iPhone pro? Yeah, no, no gimbal. I've got a very steady hand. Um, and I, I don't think I was laying down, I was just crouching down. And, um, I mean, 
it was such a great thing to do. I mean, I look back at it. I'm like, oh, why is he, why is he standing like that? Like, why didn't he make eye contact with the camera? Like I'm criticizing my own work in the same breath of being super proud of it. So that's an insight into my uh, psyche. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. a lot of designers are all the same, right? You, yeah. you come up with something you're really proud of and then you start nitpicking at this thing and that thing. And you, yeah. sometimes yeah. you do just need to step back and go, now, you know what effort I've actually made something pretty decent here. Yeah, I think the <laughs> reward for effort was that the reward for effort was that we didn't get a lot of time with him. He was popping into the club to potentially sign some papers or something like that. We had five or ten minutes with him max, like very fresh, very new. None of us had ever met him and and you we had to do that. just just do it. Just get it done. So oh, great. Yeah. Well that even helps my next question then, which mm-hmm. was how did he go with the whole thing? So this is obviously you met him first time then and there, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think uh, he was a little bit like what kind of operation are the Gold Coast Titans because <laughs> we dragged him down to the field, made him get changed because I think he was wearing he'd come down to the club and he'd trained for the day, I think. And we got him after to do like a quick little mini interview and and we just I sort of said to him, I just need you to like jump in 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 one spot as high as you can. And it might have taken three three goes, but he nailed it. And I think he was a little bit like, what's going on here? Like what <laughs> on earth is going on? I don't even know if he's seen it. I, we might have collabed with him, but um, yeah, it was, um, I'm sure he thought it was very unusual. Oh, awesome. That's good. Uh, weekly team meetings. Uh, I don't want to pry too deep into things there, but you did mention mm-hmm. that you have, every week you guys have to bring something to the table. Yeah. So uh, are you able to talk yeah. me through that a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, our, our team meetings are sort of, uh, we go around and talk about each department. Um, so within marketing, we've got like the content, we've got media, we've got marketing, NRLW, netball, um, general marketing, like general business, team movements, all that sort of thing. And at the end of the meeting, we all um, are encouraged to bring along something that we've seen online that we like or something that we want to share with the group. And Dean, who is our manager, is awesome like that. So, um, okay, like we usually send things around randomly, but um, these team meetings are, are a good weekly thing for us to all get on the same page and see what's coming up. And, yeah, so... A more, um, a more yeah. formal environment to not not sharing funny memes, but a more formal environment to share some stuff and go, hey, you know, could this work? What what is yeah. this? Is there is there room to explore this? Those yeah. type of things. I think the um the memes get sent daily in our group chats, and then the 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 meetings are more serious business. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, cool, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we've 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 spoken about the music a little bit. Mm-hmm. We've spoken about your freelance. When you were a little teeny bopper, were you creative then? Was it always clear that you were oh. going to progress into where you are now? I was obsessed with Microsoft Publisher when I was a little girl. And we used to have this computer that would have cost my parents so much money back in the, would have been the early 90s. It would have cost them a fortune. And I remember sort of just, I would have been in grade seven, six, something like that, and used to just make up these fake trifold brochures in MS Publisher. Of, like, I don't even know what the content was or anything like that, but I just remember getting such a kick out of creating these printed brochures and, like, what a nerd, honestly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just I think stuff like that, I just, I've always reflected upon that, like, once once I sort of got older, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember doing that as a kid. Um, and, you know, I've always been around 
a creative family like my mum's creative my sister she's in fashion now and my auntie used to own her own like wetsuit company and my uncle uh, my my opa my grandfather was like really big into his tapestries and things like that so I genuinely think that it's in my blood like that creative and artistic sort of thing so yeah yeah and so you just mentioned a few of those people there any any of them significant or other people who have kind of motivated you and, and guided you you know yeah. fed that creative brain yeah I was actually reflecting upon this um today I was trying to think back to who um have inspired me and, and that sort of thing I think it really goes back to my first job when I got out of uni was um at Ticketmaster in Melbourne and that was looking after the design for Australia and New Zealand um and I was the only designer there for the for the two countries and it was I was 20 years old and it was just an eye-opening experience like super corporate you know big bosses all that sort of thing and the lady that hired me her name was Kathy and she was the CTO at Ticketmaster and she was you know in her 40s and she was just this like powerhouse of a woman and the exec team were all men and I was this little 20 year old like reporting to this intelligent and this beautiful woman and I just thought I just thought the sun shone out of her ass I thought she was incredible and I I'm still friends with her to this day and I think back to what set me up in my career as a female and as just a you know a general human and I think it comes back down to Kathy she was just incredible she's such a hard worker she was liked by everyone she had would have had like 10 direct reports like a team of 40 and I just always aspired to be like her that's awesome I bet yeah. she'd be proud to hear that too yeah I don't know <laughs> you if probably have said that enough to her <laughs> I might send it to her to have a listen and send her the timestamp. yeah good good yeah um so what about in in uni uni schooling I suppose your progression in general when when you were applying for jobs yeah out of uni you know you landed the job at ticket master ticket master um you know was it kind of clear then that this is this is where you're headed or were you just finding your way no, I think I I think I studied printing and graphic arts um, at RMIT Uni in Brunswick, and it was I'd never I'd never questioned that, that would not be my career. Like I was, I was like, well, that's just what's gonna happen, I guess. You know, it's I loved it. It was my passion, and it never felt like it was something that I didn't enjoy. So I never questioned being a graphic designer. It was more, I think that when the role came up at Ticketmaster and I applied for it, I was, I was like, and I got it. I was like, okay, that's my career now, you know, and didn't think any further than, you know, what would it look like in 10, 15, 20 years time? It was more about just like, that's awesome. I get to do stuff and design stuff for Ticketmaster who have these amazing events and I get paid for it and it's in the city and it's, you know, it Mm -hmm. was just such a cool thing to have as a first job. And I just got enveloped in it from there. So under the under the legend of Kathy, mm-hmm. what were some of the uh, content or items that you were creating at Ticketmaster? Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't even know how the how it works these days, but back in the day, <clears throat> for example, U two would come out to Australia, and Ticketmaster has the contracts to the venues. So, say for example, U two go into five out of eight venues in Australia, then Ticketmaster would be promoting five of those events because they're Ticketmaster venues. Mm -hmm. So it would be 
you'd be creating all the web assets and things like that. And this is back in the day when there was no TikTok, there was no Instagram, there was no Reels, there was no Google ads, there was nothing. It was basically your website that you would advertise on and you'd do a lot of print work, you'd do a lot of bus shelters, you'd do billboards and that sort of thing. So I'd work on the collateral for that. Um, more often than not, I'd be repurposing artwork that the promoter had designed. Okay. Um, so they'd send over all the assets and things like that and we'd have to adapt them into the Ticketmaster sizes and and stuff like that. And then I'd, I'd also do like seating charts and things like that. And I got to work on some really exciting stuff at Ticketmaster when they introduced like interactive seating maps and stuff like that. I'd work really closely with um, the designers um, and the UX designers and stuff in America at the head mm -hmm. office. So like super eye-opening experience working there for sure. Yeah, right. So you yeah. would get to work on some of the engagement, the online engagement when you're booking a particular seat, you know, yeah. um, perhaps some of the, the graphics or some of the, yeah, the, inter the interaction of, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. That's yeah. so yeah. cool. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, and I think that sort of set me up for really wanting to work on brands that people knew. Like I, I know I don't really want to go and work on, something where someone doesn't know that brand like for me it's important to work on something that has a lot of eyes or whether that's like a just it's just how I've always sort of been after Ticketmaster like I'm really I'm, I'm I love working on brands for sure yeah so what came after Ticketmaster so I guess um I think I'd worked I'd worked at Ticketmaster for about six years I think and like by that stage, we'd had a junior designer start. So it was myself and another junior designer. And I think after six years, it's sort of like, all right, what's next? What else can I, what else can I try? And a colleague of mine at Ticketmaster sort of sent me a job link to the Richmond job that had popped up and, you know, it was more pay. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll give that a crack. Like not even thinking about sports at all at that point. And, um, went and had a coffee with, and also like an interview and a coffee with, um, my new, the new manager at Richmond and, um, he hired me. And then I started that in Jan 2012. And that was my first like toe dip, I guess, into sports, which was cool. Do you feel like you nailed it? The, the, the interview or you had a good backing behind you? Well, did you get was, a good vibe leaving? I was pretty lucky cause I knew of him through, um, it's quite funny. So my boss at Ticketmaster, and this guy were friends outside of work and had been friends that gone to high school together. So I sort of knew this Richmond guy a little bit, a little bit. So there was a little bit of rapport there, but um, I never told my boss at Ticketmaster that I was going for the job because it wasn't, you know, it's, even though they were friends, like you just sort of don't do that. It's all about discretion. So sure. um, I don't know if I felt like I nailed it. Like I always go into things with trepidation and a little bit of imposter syndrome. So I kind of, I was, you know, how old was I at the time? I think I would have been like 25 or 24 or something like that. And, you know, I wasn't really thinking too much. I was, I was nervous that, you know, I was like, I really wanted it, but I was like, eh, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that most people have a bit of imposter syndrome? I know I do. I feel like that a lot of the time myself that, yeah. you know, I know what I'm talking about. I know that I'm confident, but at the same time, you know, yeah. I don't it's know, awful. it's still questioning. It's awful. Like I think if you don't have imposter syndrome, you're seen as arrogant. Mm. But I think it's important for us to be vulnerable and admit when we don't think we're the shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like let's be honest. Like if we're questioning ourselves, like let's be honest with that and just say like, 
I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure I'm good or I don't I doubt myself and you know then you can let the people around you sort of hype you up a little bit and be like dude you actually are cool you're good at this you know what you're doing yeah that's important for to for the people around you to you know to to do that and say that I think but I I think people without imposter syndrome maybe are a bit arrogant (laughs) yep (laughs) it's good to have a network around you I feel um that you know you can be confident like you said but be willing to take on the feedback and be willing to even Mm. just listen to to other ideas you you never know when something is you know right there around the corner that you haven't considered yeah and it could be like we're talking about before with um after effects you know some junior that comes in that's been using tiktok since the day they got a phone or been you know playing with some new software and i think if you're too arrogant to that you you're not actually going to get the best results yeah that puts people off too i mean if arrogant like you've got to know your place in the hierarchy of, of that sort of thing and i think arrogance um without having anything to back it up is a really, really bad thing. Mm. You know, you've, it, you've, got to, you've got to work hard and you've got to show that you've got it before you can truly flaunt it. <laughs> yep, that's fair enough. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell yeah. us about Richmond. There was a bit of dark time. 2012, you said? So yeah. a bit of dark times there. Oh, it was very dark at Richmond. <laughs> I was very dark at Richmond. It was so bad up until essentially the year that they won the grand final that was just like, you know, their target when I started working there, they had target, I think it was 30,000 or 35,000 members, you know, they were at a very, very low base. They were finishing ninth consistently, so much so that they'd get dubbed ninth And, um, yeah, just no success on field. Like, super historic club, like around since 1885, like, so many people just adore that club and have poured their hearts into that club for so long. They hadn't had any success since 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'd had a couple of finals appearances, but no no premiership since 1980. And so, you know, from 2012 to 2016 was like, it was pretty bad. You know, they're calling for like the board to get sacked and the coach to get sacked and the CEO to get sacked. And it was just constant, you know, we were just like, what are we doing here? Like, this is so, like, where is the light? You know, and then 2017, something just something clicked in that team. And, you know, we've all got our theories as to what happened and sort of I've got intel myself, but this, the team just like catapulted and won a grand grand final that year. It was just incredible. Mm -hmm. How hard, uh, I mean, the interviewer in me probably needs to ask you what are your thoughts on that, but you don't Mm -hmm. need to answer if you don't want to. Uh, I mean, it's sort of, there's a few different things, but one of the things I found and I like I did a lot of reading myself. You know, I bought the book after they released the special book after the premiership and things like that. But um, being vulnerable with each other was a big deal to them, um, mm-hmm. and to talk about their hardships with each other. And you know, they all started sort of doing mindfulness and and meditation and working with a really um, incredible mindfulness coach um, called Emma Murray. And I think just those sorts of things when it comes to guys being vulnerable with each other, sort of once you let your guard down amongst your mates, you connect more, you know, and I think, and, you know, from what I've read that helped them a lot. And, you know, Dustin Martin was doing a lot of meditation and things like that. And I, you know, I think that's, you know, that's one of many things that I'm sure contributed to it, but, you know, I just think that's, I just think that's magnificent. Yeah. Okay. 
Let's swing back around a design for a second. So, or for the rest of the podcast, if we can, Um, how do you, how do you cope? So were you at Richmond, were you on the socials by then? Were you kind of manning the socials or were you more just doing graphic stuff? Like what I'm trying to get to is how do you Mm -hmm. just handle being in an environment where you are out of control, whether Mm. the outcome is positive or negative? Mm. I ride the roller coaster like everybody else when there's losses and when there's wins and things like that. But this one guy at Richmond, his name was Giuseppe. He was a facility guy. His mentality and his mantra used to be control what you can control and the rest will take care of itself. You know, and I absolutely live by that as my mantra. Like all you can do is just do what you can in the admin side of things in sports and being stressed out and being anxious or upset about a result on field is not going to change the way the players play. All you can do is pour your heart and soul into your designs and your, or your creative and then support the footy department as best you can, support the business as best you can and just do what you're there to do, I guess. Yeah. And so what was it that you were doing at Richmond? Um, so I started, they had an agency um, when I first started um, on a retainer and it ended up being too much work for the agency. So the agency told Richmond to take a hike and hire your own designer. And which was lucky for me, um, I got to still work closely with the team at the agency, but I also took on the responsibility of managing the workflow for um, design at Richmond, which was a first for them. And that was similar to, you know, what I'm doing now is just um, still being on the tools and signage and stuff for footy and commercial decks and things like that. And um, I I did, um, I'm trying to think back to what I used to do at Richmond. For socials, I mean, Instagram hadn't really jumped off at that point, so it wasn't a big deal. And it's just so different these days compared to what it used to be like, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's just a completely different ball game. A lot of ticket, a lot more physical type stuff, ticket graphics, I imagine, posters, yeah, maybe I mean, Facebook. Yeah. Actually, yeah, we did. We did. We used to produce um, magazines at at Richmond, like yearbooks mm. and things like that. That were mm-hmm. ninety page yearbooks that would literally take myself and the the media manager at the time like weeks upon weeks of stress to produce. Yep. Um, and and tangible things like that. We used to do merchandise catalogs and and things like that. So it was it was a lot more tangible, I think. But um, definitely compared to where I'm at now, like with the Titans, we don't do a whole lot of printed stuff. It might be one a week of a print ad maybe and nothing is nothing as hectic as as you know a yearbook or something like that yeah yeah and so Giuseppe's mantra you and your mantra you've carried that Mm -hmm. across to the titans now too they've been a little bit successful but not quite hitting their strides yet yeah i mean like we made we made finals um we made finals a couple of years ago and that was so exciting like i just think that you know i was living in hawthorne at the time when richmond won the grand final I just I walk down the streets of the Gold Coast now and I think I'm like oh this is this place is going to jump off when the Titans actually have some success people are really going to rally around them and um it's going to be a great town to be in when that happens for sure but mm-hmm. um the boys are starting you know I don't know how much you follow the Titans and things like that but they really started to click under Jim Lenahan it was nice to see them you know, winning a couple of games in a row and things like that. So um, we're just super excited for what's going to happen next year. Mm-hmm. So by the time um, Richmond had won, were you there for an? Were you there for the? You went there for the all three 
championships I were you? For, I was there for the 2017 grand final. Yep. Um, and that was that, and then um, which was the most incredible couple of months of my life. And then it wasn't. It was you know that sort of happened in September October, and I'd had plans to move to the Gold Coast anyway um, to be closer to my family, and. Um, so I left Richmond uh, a couple of months after they won the grand final and the footy staff absolutely gave it to me. They said, hey, of course you do. Of course you're leaving straight after we've won a grand final. You got here, what you came here for. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I mean, like, you know, and I left and then they get two more and it was just, it was such a great time for the club. Yeah. Do you support any of the teams? Like, do you, Are you an AFL person? Are you a league person? Do you support um, the teams that you work for? I go, I go gung-ho into the teams that I, that I work for, for sure. I think yeah. I grew up supporting North Melbourne because my uncle's company was a short sponsor or something like that. Like I dabbled in that and then, you know, a partner of mine, family, they were into the Demons, so I kind of got into that a little bit. And then once I was into Richmond, I was I was Richmond, like, like loved it, loved it, and I still watch their games. I'm still a member. Um, and the same thing has happened with, like, my I never really supported any NRL teams being from down south, but my dad was from Sydney and he was a St George fan when I was a little girl. And um, but I think like being an NRL now, like I so I enjoy watching NRL so much more than AFL. So really, yep, yeah, it's just the NRL is gets me. I just get more excited watching NRL than I do watching AFL now. So the tides are changing. Yeah. Mm. I, I definitely uh I definitely get what you what you were saying about when you buy in, right? Like mm. you know, I've worked for a few different not not directly, but you know, had work done with a few different teams and you the loyalty is just not quite there um mm. as far as like supporting your team. But you definitely I find myself going, Oh, I've been working with this mob for a little while now. I'm you know, I'm on that bandwagon a little bit, yeah. you know, supporting yeah. them, hoping that they do well. Oh, they've dropped yeah. us as a client or whatever else and you move over here and then you are yeah. kind of supporting them again. Yeah, so it's think, it's an interesting experience, I must yeah. admit. I think working for a club, you want them to have so much success and you have so much buy in for each player's story and what they're what's happening in their life like you're excited because you know you're watching this player play and then his his wife is pregnant and you're like you you feel like you know them and you're excited for them and their experiences and getting picked for the you know the pms 13 or origin and that sort of thing and if i i find it hard to believe that people don't get that buy-in if they if they start working at a club and they treat it like just another office job it's mm -hmm. a bit strange to me <laughs> yeah a bit foreign yeah um, okay. So let's, let's dig into a little bit around just the industry in general. Mm -hmm. Um, you've got some certificates. I can see them sitting behind you. Um, what yeah. is your, what, what, what do you believe, um, is an impact on qualifications and education in the industry? Um, I think that, um, I think that education is important because to me, it says that you're willing to put aside four years of your life for a particular avenue that you want to go down. But I think real world experience is so crucial for going for jobs. And because I think that the the way that the courses are sort of made is that you, you're not really given 
timelines or briefs or you know restrictions I mean you've got these little projects that you might do at uni and things like that but it doesn't really compare to real world stresses of you've only got one photo to pick from and you've got to use that photo mm-hmm. you know and so to me if I'm hiring someone I love to see that they've got real world experience I mean that's not to say that you know sometimes businesses are not in a position to be paying someone with a lot of experience Sometimes you are hiring for a junior role where you can teach people and you've got the time to set aside to um, to nurture them and to help them grow and to and teach them and that sort of thing. So I think it really it depends on the role that you are recruiting for. But I think, um, you know, it's also super important to show folios and 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 to show that you've got the skill set to to go for certain roles as well. Yeah. Um, and you did you did men- mention some qualities just then. What skills do you think someone needs to get into, um, you know, like a design role or a brand, you know, managing a brand role? What yeah. What are the qualities you're looking for if you're hiring someone you know, from a portfolio me, point of view? Yeah, I think for me, like someone that's a bit judgy on someone that can open Photoshop and call themselves a designer or to produce something in Canva, like you've got to work a little bit harder to impress me with basic things like that. I think the tools that you need, you need to know about this. It's more so about the skill set of like hierarchy and kerning and letting and um, picture placement and, and all those sorts of things like where the eye's leading you and those sorts of skills to me, because the, the programs are intuitive these days and you can watch a few tutorials and you can etch a photo and things like that, but it's how you then integrate that stuff into your design and bring that to life. And you have your vision. And, you know, I think that, um, yeah, it's definitely, for me more about the design skills than it is knowing how to open the program how to use the tools it's more about mm. what you build with it yeah i think so yeah mhm yeah uh, i mean is... yeah sorry there's the other the other side to that is more about the skills that and that's certain things that you learn once you've you've been working in a in a professional environment or working you know in a job that you get paid for is you know your time management and and job filing and file naming and and how you integrate, how your personality will integrate with a wider group of people and your ability to build rapport and things like that. Like they're the sorts of things that you don't get to see in a job interview. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things sort of come out, you know, after a few months of, of working with someone and things like that. So if you can show that, you know, you if you talk about those those soft skills of time management and filing and things like that, I mean, they're things that are super, super helpful for a role. Do you label your layers? I don't label my layers, but I tell you, I've got a great filing system. Okay. <laughs> I only label, this is the thing, this is my mentality. I will only layer my labels if I have to pass the PSD off to someone else. Because yep. I can deal with my own shitstorm, but the minute that I know that Callum has to use my shitstorm, I will label it for him because it's not fair. That's what happens more than... 90% of the time, I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's such a great analogy for just work in general, I think. Mm. Um, there's a lot of the time, you know, your desk is shitty or, you know, whatever. But mm. if someone else is going to come and work on it, shit, I'll, I'll clean yeah. it up. I'll make yeah. sure I clean it up. Same it's kind with- of like those people that have cleaners at their house and they clean before the cleaners come over, you know, like appearances yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, is, um, is professional development important and a key aspect for you and your team? It is an important aspect. I think that um, for me personally, I feel like my boss is really supportive of 
any avenues that we want to explore and anything any, any additional sort of courses or resourcing that we need you know so um he's more than fully supportive of us doing that and and I think that's a really good thing that we've got at our, at our club um professional development is, is super important like I've been really lucky in my career to have um to have had a lot of professional development and I probably take it for granted a little you know I think at Richmond they sent us on um leadership courses and they sent us on um courses to to help you have hard conversations and things like that so those sorts of things are, I think are crucial to anyone up and coming in any industry whatsoever so yeah I definitely put a high placement on that but I, I think it's, the onus is also on the person to to talk to sort of come to you and say I'd like to develop myself in this area because without them mentioning it you don't really know where they're at and and that sort of thing so I think it's just as much onus on the person as it is the manager to to talk about professional development hmm. I dig that. There's not a lot of places I've heard that will, you know, offer up courses or, you know, cover the expenses of courses for mm. nearly personal development rather than professional development. Mm. Like having hard conversations, like yeah. I can understand, you know, a company wanting to pay for you to go and really be at a network event where you're learning, you know, some more tools of the trade in yeah. Adobe or something like yeah. that. But, man, to to go and learn to have hard conversations and yeah and deal with conflict and that kind of stuff. That's really cool. It was amazing. Like they put a lot of emphasis on leadership at, um, at Richmond. So, um, I think that flows through to everyone there, like the staff and the footy players and things like that. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, we, we have touched on a little bit about the, the industry changing over your career. I'm not suggesting anything for age or how long you've been in it, but mm. you know, things have changed from Facebook and flyers and bus shelter posters to TikToks and Instagrams and EDMs. Mm. Um, where do you think it's going? What do you think the future looks like for the sports creative environment? I don't really know. I think, um, I think that well com now compared to like when I first started, obviously there's so many more outputs that are required. You know, you've got your Google ads and you've got your, you know, all that sort of stuff. But the thing is there's new, there's new platforms being introduced all the time, but they're dying off, you know, like threads, what happened to threads, you know? So there's going to be like, I feel like there's going to be a core group of platforms that you still need to promote on. But I mean, who's to say what will happen in five or 10 years and, and, you know, with VR and all that sort of stuff is like, who really knows what extra work is going to have to happen in terms of the space? I don't really know. Mm. I don't really know. I think, I think the way that I see it is that with AI and things like that, people are talking about that taking designers jobs. But what I've found with AI is it is literally making my life so much easier and freeing up time for me to do other stuff where I would usually back in the day spend 15 minutes etching a photo with the pen tool or the selection tool. It's one click remove background, you tidy it up and your photo is done in two minutes. So you could and, free it up. And that's the key, right? So there's two things that I'm taking away from you here. We were talking before about hiring people and what you're looking for when you're hiring. It's nearly at a point now where you don't even need to learn really mm. the tools, mm. right? The tools are going to be there for you. Yeah. I can't count the, the amount of times recently that I've been on 
LinkedIn or whatever, mm. and I can tell when it's been an AI etched mm. um, uh, Photoshop file versus someone yeah. that's taken the time at least to touch it up and make it, you know, crisp. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm terrified of AI, <laughs> like that, that, that stuff terrifies me. Yeah. Um, but I also embrace technology. So mm. for me, I'm at a real hard point in, in, you know, dealing with that because there's two sides to it and it's just how the users want to use it. Yeah. Um, but I a hundred percent agree with you that, um, you need more qualities than just the tools. And I mm. think what AI will actually be able to do is sift that easier. I think yep. you'll be able to see the people who just use AI and, you know, plop some text on it versus yep. um, applying an AI filter or a technique mm. and then continuing on with the design brain rather than the design hands-on skills mm. to execute something. Yeah. I think there's a lot in there about AI and how it's it does have its limits. It can't, at this point, determine an objective for a design. You know, for example, I can see these really slick game day graphics. You know, people have spent hours creating this composition that looks so sick, you know, but it's like, where's where's the game? What time are they playing? Who's actually playing? You know what I mean? Like, it's very pretty and it's very slick but it's not giving me any information that I need at the moment. So I think that AI can, it can weed out those people that it will make something pretty, but it might not be uh, informative or it might not have the right hierarchy in terms of what the user needs to take away from the design. Yeah. At yep, this I, point. I agree with you. The robots will take over eventually. So maybe we're just resistant. <laughs> Don't trigger my anxiety. <laughs> Me too. Uh, um, do you, so you use an AI a little bit in your day-to-day -day work? I do use it a lot. I use it a lot for extending canvases for photos that need it, for mm -hmm. cropping purposes and things like that and generating new backgrounds and uh, removing logos for decks um, and uh, etching photos and things like that. Like I'm finding it super helpful. I love it. Like I, yeah. Callum and I just sit there and we just sometimes just make, we will put strange clothes on players and things like that just to see how far we can push the AI and we love it. It's just made, it's honestly, I feel like it's made our lives a lot easier. Yeah. And I think where I blanked out just a second ago um, when I had my mini anxiety attack, just kidding, but um, was the AI is still like, it's a copycat. It's a copycat. It's not, like you said, it's not coming up with something really that's new. It's just taking mm. what it already knows yep. and trying to replicate it. It's mm. using the, the rules and principles that it's, mm. that it's got been given. Yeah. Um, where does your inspiration come from? I know we touched around uh, your team meetings and, and everyone bringing stuff to the table every week. Yeah. Are, there, are there other areas completely outside of the socials? the online world where you might be grabbing ideas from doesn't need to be with Titans too. Like if it's music no. or if it's your freelance stuff, I'm just curious yeah. where people might find unique things. Yeah. I follow so many obscure artists and magazines and Japanese baseball teams and ice hockey teams and, and think, and like 
I've just discovered this Japanese clothing brand called Beams that are from Tokyo, and I just love everything that they do. And I just am finding it everywhere. Like I, I use, I scroll Instagram a lot, and um, yeah, it's just mostly mostly that I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, we're jumping around a little bit here now as we flow through. Um, any differences that you have really found between doing work at AFL land and NRL land? Mm, I, th- I was thinking about that. I mean, there's no, there's no major differences. I think it's um, the lens that's actually put on the sport more so that, you know, you're working at a rugby league club in Queensland versus an AFL club in Victoria. You know, when I first moved up here, I was, I was like, why is there no AFL in the news? What is happening you know, I don't understand. Um, I mean, that's sort of changing at the moment with Brisbane, with Brisbane Lions, with their success that they're having in the AFL at the moment, which is exciting. Um, but apart from that, I mean, it's very similar. It's a very similar structure. You know, you've got your high performance manager and you've got your general manager of footy and you've got a portal where all the photographers put their photos and you've got the same sort of rules around um around broadcast and things like that. So, I mean, they're very similar in terms of that. And, you know, you've got your, everyone, every club's got their unique fans and the way they put on a show at their home grounds and things like that. But it's more about the, I think the brands are just very different when it comes mm-hmm. to that. Sort of thing. But I mean, any, any, any sports club that you could work at is, would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what impact do you think that you've left at the Tigers or the Titans to date? Um, both clubs, um, went through rebrands while I'd been there. So, um, most recent one was, um, the Titans had their rebrand in 2021. So they had Mm. the same logo since the inception. Um, and so I worked with my manager and we engaged an agency to do a lot of groundwork up on the brand. Um, and then we engaged, um, a lot of, um, community partners and commercial partners and people to really get a sense of the Titans brand and our voice and what we want to be known for and that sort of thing. So being involved with that, you know, that will logo and that brand work will last hopefully for another 15 years. Um, and yeah, like I said, I started at Richmond when they went through their rebrand. Um, so I was, have, I was involved in like executing that and that was a, a huge undertaking too, because that was, I don't know even know when they had that logo, but you know that's a really historic brand, and so there were a lot of touch points um, that needed to be worked upon with that new Richmond brand. Yeah, because it was a circular, really old school illustrated type lo- type logo before that, wasn't it? And yeah, they, it was they so really cool. modernised it. Yeah. Was there a lot of backlash with the update of that? I can't remember now. It's quite some time ago. I'd started. I think they'd got they'd been given the brand files like a month before I started. So I wasn't involved with a lot of it. I don't believe there was any backlash or anything like that. I mean, there's always going to be people that don't like change, you know, and the, we experience that in our lives all around us all the time, you know, not outside of sport, just everywhere. People mm. resistant to to change. And I'm like guilty of that as well. You know, like I'm sure I'm resistant to change in some aspects of my life, but I think um, if you take those people on a journey with you and, and you, you sell the, the brand to them in a way that can resonate with them in some form or another, then they'll forget about that pretty quickly. Yeah. You know. And so the Titans won 
were like, were you part of the catalyst for the change or did you come on board just after that train had already started? Um, you sound like you were pretty hands-on with the, the process. Yeah, I think it, it's, it didn't, it was probably, I was there a couple of years before it sort of got underway, mm-hmm. but they never had a brand manual, one that wasn't current, that hadn't, that, you know, was, wasn't current at all. They didn't have a brand manual. They didn't really like the logo. They weren't tied to it. We wanted something simpler. Mm-hmm. It was a very complex logo. It was impossible to embroider. Mm-hmm. There were only little aspects of it. We wanted something simple and sleek and um, it was time. It was just time for it. And, you know, I think it's 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 actually quite a good logo and I think it'll last another 10, 15 years hopefully. Yeah. Did you go through a lot of uh, versions, a lot of options? Did you go a lot of back and forth tweaking, you know, yeah. minor things that probably wouldn't even consider? Yeah, I think we um we we got several options back from the agency and you know everyone sort of having their two cents put in like it needs more body, it needs less body, it needs angrier eyes, it needs you know this that and the other and I think where it landed was really good. I think we went through a few revisions with the fonts and things like that because I was very tied to having a certain font for the word Gold Coast and um I wanted to do a certain style for the word Titans and then like with our brand manual I wanted to use a certain font. So they were really open to me being like, let's do this, let's use this, that sort of thing and incorporating that into our brand manual and and that sort of thing. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, you got a lot of wins out of it, you think? Yep. Yeah, I definitely got a lot of wins out of it. And um I think everyone's past the point of resistance and they're at the um embracing embracing stage now which is yeah how do you deal with the um asymmetric uh the the asymmetric the the t and the s just you know that little bit of um blank space below the the bar of the t on that left hand side yeah we don't um the way that it's structured with the gold coast titans when once you start adding the white keystroke or the outline to it it doesn't it's not too imbalanced The Mm -hmm. thing that gets me is that I think that the logo is slightly off-centre in general, like down the middle of the nose. It's very, very minuscule and the average person wouldn't be able to pick up on it. But because I zoom into that logo so much, it's just ever so slightly off and I don't think I'll ever cope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Are you, do you believe in minor updates, you know, every two or three years, just tweaking it here, tweaking it there? like what the Raiders just did. Or dare I ask what yeah, your no, thoughts I'm are on a, the Raiders? I'm, I'm not a fan. I think their logo was fine. I don't think they needed to change the eye colour or whatever they did. I think that it was fine, but that's just a lot of touch points to update for such a minuscule change. Mm. I I would have been on death's doorstep if they'd done that to me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Do you have, I mean, I'm sure you you connect with all of the other teams, um, mm. creative departments in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, it, is it all to do with digital? Is that your theory as to why they're making the updates, like cheaper on embroidery costs, you know, less colours, you know, those type of things? You don't know I, why? I didn't delve too much into their reasoning behind it, but if that's what they need to say, then they can do that. I'd... I think there's other ways to cut costs. I mean, you could get a cheaper T-shirt and yep. then do three-colour three color logo, whatever they were doing. But, you know, I mean, maybe they needed to do it to increase morale within their fans to show them that they were doing something. I don't really, I didn't really read too much about it. I just 
saw that they'd updated it and I was like, oh, that's that's a shame because I really liked the way that it looked before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still look good. Yeah. I mean, they, they had their form... They had their former one and then they had this one that they were using in digital spaces this year, I think, they included this year. And now the the logo that they've released to be using next year is kind of like an extension of that again. So I think that they got where they'd gotten to five years ago was good and they mm. made some updates. I think that was probably perfect. Mm. Myself, stick from mm. there. Um, and now they've just gone too far the other side. But, yeah. you know. I- yeah, maybe they should have, um, when they'd done that rebrand, I think, when was that? Was that 2021, 2020 or 19 or something? I think it was 28, maybe the end of 2018. It was right before they made yeah. the grand final because yeah. I have this theory that <laughs> it's not 100% accurate, but most teams when they go through significant rebrands, they're pretty mm. close to a win um, mm. or at least some really good success. Mm. The Raiders were in a successful window when they made their rebrand. Um yeah. They adopted a lot more uh, the blue and, and more of a lime green type yeah. colour or went back to a more lime green colour. Um, yeah. So I recall it was around then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard to have that foresight if that was happening in 2018, the foresight of where the digital space is and where printing techniques are at back then. But, you know, if you're creating a logo now in this day and age, you're creating something that can be one colour, two colour from the get-go. Mm enable to be used on digital very small still legible you know from the from the from the very start so maybe that's just something for designers to keep in mind when they're doing brand guides and things like that and revamping logos is it like you've got to think of that stuff straight up yeah until until we don't and we yeah. the, the new technology comes along and it's a completely different thing and yeah. you know we could have super tactile logos that we can touch with sensory you know we're getting mm-hmm. into the AI stuff again um all right let's let's just talk a little bit more about your work unless there's not much else there have you got any you know real favorite things that you've that you've worked on outside of the logo stuff at Titans um anything that you're kind of really proud of even yeah. just this year um I think um, we did some stuff with Tom Weaver this year, who was a debut for the Titans, and um, Gabby, who's our social and content um, lead. She sort of worked with his family to get some old photos of him when he was a little kid, and he grew up supporting the Titans. And we managed to find all these little photos of him, you know, as a four or five-year-old, and his face is painted, and he's waving the flags. And he ended up joining the um, the, the Junior Titans system, um, which is called Future Titans now, and played through them and then he obviously debuted with our NRL team this year so telling that story from Tom being a little child as a Titan supporter to showing him debuting in the Titans team was a really cool thing to work on um I think little things like that just telling the the story of of some of these players because that's how people develop like emotional connections to them is by giving fans access to those sorts of things to build that connection but um I mean the other stuff that I sort of work on that in the background like outside of my role like I help with um the recruiting decks that they put together to help recruit new players and things like that so um I'll get a call at whatever hour they feel is necessary to say hey guess what we've got a meeting with Kieran Foran next week can you please put him in a Titans jersey and put him on a billboard and we and do this that xyz and, you know, like I did that for Sam Beryls and Kieran Foran and, you know, when those players actually sign and 
it's just a really cool feeling to be to know that I've helped with that and that they've seen my work to to join the club and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. I didn't know that those things existed. So you're pretty much putting a bit of a, a document together, a PDF that's being sent to the players to go, yeah. hey, this is what you're going to look like if you were yeah, in well, a Titan. Yeah, we did that with, like, yeah, with, like I said, with Kieran Four and Sam Verrills. I can't remember who else I've I've done it for. I think um, Keenan from the Broncos as well. But, you know, it's just getting, getting, giving them an idea of what they're going to look like in a Titans jersey and selling them the dream of how good they're going to look in the blue and yellow and, <laughs> Um, and yeah, when, when I find out that they're signing and then we do signing graphics for them, I feel like I've been included in part of the process and it's pretty cool. Mm. Um, so yeah, I get to help out with that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, outside of that, Isaac Fasamalawe debuted this year with his brother, like brother playing together with Tino and his family. We designed some t-shirts for his whole family to wear. There was like 30 of them. You know, when we designed this really cool T-shirt um, for them to wear for his debut and little things like that, I think that, um, you know, that, that are special moments and things like that I feel really nice to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll slowly start to wrap it up now. Um, trends. So are there any, like, you know, good or bad trends that you like in the industry, uh, things that some of the other clubs are doing that, you, you know, you think of really positive or, you know, I've got some traction versus some things that might not be quite hitting the mark. Um, I'm trying to think of what trends are happening at the moment. I know. Um, I sp- yeah. Sorry. I, sp- I, sp- I, sp- I spoke to uh, Josh from Port Adelaide a couple of weeks ago and he was saying something that, that they've starting to do a bit more and, and, um, have noticed is more just personal interaction with players. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, not necessarily getting those one-on-one times as an example, but, you know, telling more of the players' stories and, you mm. know, using the graphics and stuff, like you said, with um, um, the, the, the player before about, you know, telling their story. Might not, have, mm. you know, have to be a grand story like that, you know, childhood. But, you know, he mentioned just the, the trends of, you know, reminding people that, running fans that they're people too, as well as athletes and kind of leveraging mm-hmm. that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, uh, that's really, um, it's really interesting because it's something I know that we are really keen on telling at the Titans is the stories of players and things like that. And it's such a strange thing to think that so many people look at your work and and uh, have got their eyeballs on these players and they might not all be members and they might not be fans but there's definitely eyeballs on these players for people to to get to know and you know we've got a handful of players that kids just lose their minds over meeting and it's just it's incredible to watch but I mean in terms of trends and things like that I, d- I don't know design wise I don't, like I'm not really a fan of when people cram a million things into a, a design. Like uh, for me as a designer, I'm like very minimalistic. I'm, I like, um, I'm not really a fan of like that grungy sort of look, I guess, you know, I'm very like clean, minimal, but that often doesn't lend itself to that footy sort of look and feel. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's some, there's some teams out there that are doing some great sort of um, footy look and feel and things like that. So and there's always good things and bad things out there. Yeah, okay. Advice for for people wanting to get into the industry. I know we've we've obviously broken down that a fair bit as far as employment, mm-hmm. but any things that they should be anything that they should be, you know, working on or things that yeah. 
Yeah. I've had, um, we've had a few interns actually at the, um, at the Titans who have been people that have emailed in to say that they're interested in doing an internship and what do we have available. And we've actually got a partnership with Griffith university and we've had a couple of interns come in through that way and stuff like that. But, um, I think for anyone trying to get into the industry would be doing something like that because for the two interns that we've that I've had working under me, both have one's gone on to work full time at the storm, Jenna. She's incredible. Um, and Summer, who was at the Titans, um, she wasn't an intern, but now she she's gone on to um work at the Burley Bears and lead their design team. And she's actually um doing something else quite exciting that I'm sure will come out in the wash eventually. But um for me it's about someone putting forth putting themselves forward and being like I want to get some experience here. This is what I can do. This is how I can help. And I think, you know, naturally everyone could do with an extra set of hands. So if you can be helpful, that's half the battle. Yeah, nice. Um, Recommendations on who we should be following, who the listeners should be following Mm. uh, online, uh, in person, maybe not, a bit creepy. (laughs) But, um, yeah, you mentioned some inspiration before. Um, Any of those or any other accounts that we should be looking out for oh I don't know just look at who I'm following on on my Instagram I could I follow so many people but in terms of sports creatives I would say Jenna from the storm um she's just come leaps and bounds and she's doing some great photography work now which is great um Tash from the Panthers is probably one of my favorite um female designers um in the NRL her and um, Marie from the Cowboys and um, a favourite I've had for a while who I love their work is um, Vittoria from Melbourne Victory FC. Her work is very beautiful and um, I always admire it. And um, it's interesting just watching what um, Justin and Holly are doing at Richmond to see how they're taking the brand. I like to keep my eye on that and, and see what exciting things they're doing because Justin is, like, super talented. He's just he's really good at what he does and... Um, I really like watching out for those guys. How important is female representation in your industry? Female representation in sports design is only just recently, I feel, sort of being on par with how many men are in sports design. Sort of when I was sort of starting out, you know, a few years ago, even more so, was just it was all guys and especially in the NFL, actually. I follow a lot of NFL teams um, and they're mostly run by guys, the creative leads and things like that. So it was interesting. I've sort of gravitated towards the females that are working in the NFL and the NBA to follow what they're doing. Like There's a girl that works at the Detroit Lions who used to work at the Titans, I think. Her name's Ashley Strauss, she's incredible, and um, I can't remember her name, but there's a girl working at the Phoenix Suns that's she's her work is just outstanding. And often for me, I look at their work and it's and I'm like, that's better than what some of the guys in the NFL or NBA are producing. You know, their stuff is outstanding. But um, there are a lot of guys in 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 sports creative, and I think it is foreign for girls to be designers in NFL or. NRL or AFL and things like that, but it's becoming more and more common now, which is great. Um, the woman from Phoenix Suns was mentioned last week as well. I'm just trying to find her name. 
Uh, not sure if I'm going to get it without a lot of radio silence here. Is it Selena? I think so. Yes, it's Selena. Yes. I don't think she has a creative Instagram. I think that she's I got a like she's very posts a lot of creative stuff on Twitter. But yeah. her, um from what I've gathered, I can't find her. It's more personal selfies and stuff on the Instagram one. Yeah. Yep. Um I I feel like it is very important to have female representation in any industry. Um, you've mentioned one, two, three, four, five, six, seven female creatives here. Story is cool. She just got back from like spending an, um, spending some time in Italy at a few different football clubs over there. So she's just, and she's been collaborating a lot with the, I think it's LA soccer team, the sister club to Melbourne Victory. So she, oh, okay. I can't remember the name of the team. I think it's LA, but she gets to, work very closely with them because they, they're owned by the same people or something like that. So she's got a really interesting lens. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. I will make sure that I definitely reach out to her yeah. then. Yeah. Um, because female representation, any representation is important, right? Like we were talking about in your, your team weekly meetings, you all come mm -hmm. in and you all bring something to the table. If it's all big burly guys, sports mad, fanatics, you're mm. going to get the same content coming in. And you're going to get this, well, the same type of content, the same storylines, dialogues, type of art coming in. Yeah. Um, I really love what um, diversity brings to not only just a room mm. but also the output of a room. So when you've got a creative team and you've got multiple um, different backgrounds or different perspectives, perspectives mm. on something, you're going to get such a better output. Um, the fact that we've got AFLW now, the fact that we've got NRLW, um, you know, Super Netball's stumbling a little bit, but, you know, they're still firing to some extent. We've got it. We've, we're making progress on face value, yeah. um, being the athletes. Yeah. And what I'm really, what, you know, I find really important is we're making um, so much progress behind the screens for both of those parties, not mm. just females working in the female sports section, but females yeah. working in the the male league as well, because yeah. there's fans for both and fans have probably felt neglected or disinterested in the output of a lot of the content because it's only catered for a small demographic. Yeah. Um yeah. So I, I got that vibe from you. You mentioned Kathy earlier as well. Um, strong female representation for you seems yeah. very important. Yeah. Um, and you come across as a strong female owning your space as well, um, which, you know, is such a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. good to lift up. It's good to like, the, I feel very lucky with a career that I've had that I want to I want that to, I want to sort of pay it forward, I go. I guess, to the other women that come up below me to give them the opportunities. And like Jenna, you know, did some work at the Titans and she was incredible to work with and she went for the job at the Storm and got it straight away because she did the work at the Titans. And like that just feels like it feels, um, it feels really good to see her successful. Yeah, awesome. Good. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Tara, thank you so much for coming on, having a chat with us. Hopefully we didn't dive anywhere too 
uncomfortable for you? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I can barely remember what I've said, so apologies. <laughs> <laughs> if we would like to reach out to you, what's the best and most respectful way to get in contact with you, Tara, or to follow your work? Where are you at? Um, I mean, you can just look at the Gold Coast Titans platforms and um, my stuff is usually on there on the regular, so that's where to check me out. And then I've also started using Gondola, which is a really cool platform for um, creatives, which uh, you can post all your work and link it and, and it aggregates all your likes and engagement and things like that. And you can follow other sports creatives and things. So I recommend that platform. Yeah, cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. If you would like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at fieldofdesignpodcast at gmail.com or message, comment, or tag us on Instagram at fieldofdesignpodcast. Don't forget to follow uh, or like or whatever it is that you need to do these days for podcasts um, so that you are notified when new episodes like this one drop. Um, also, shooting through some stars, rate our episode, um, do that on your podcast app. And we'll be back sometime soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tara. Thank you. Bye.